Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Right. Uh, it's such a joy to be back to share God's word with you. I remember uh, on Sunday, the previous Sunday, I shared a thought around the issue of giving thought to the word of God and that the measure of thought that we give to God's word is the measure of virtue and knowledge that we get back from it. And um, when you read the Amplified Version, it says the measure of thought and study you give to the word is the measure of virtue and knowledge that you get from the word. That's Mark chapter 4 and verse 24. So Mark chapter 4 verse 24 says, take heed how to what you hear. Take heed to what you hear, which talks about the content of what you're hearing. And uh, Luke chapter 8 verse 18 says, take heed how you hear. So we find uh, two things going on here. The first one is what you hear, and the second one is how you hear. So it's possible that you can have two people in a service and the word of God is being taught and they have they produce different results because of how they heard the word of God. So Mark says, Mark chapter 4 verse 24 says, take heed to what you hear. Luke chapter 8 verse 18 says, take heed to how you hear it. And it's important because we, I think one of the greatest challenges of our days is the spirit of offense. It's, 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 it's very alarming. It's people get offended at very little things. And so sometimes the, the spirit of offense in the congregation can be a, a manipulative spirit to even control the preacher. Because now the preacher wants to teach in a way, you understand what I'm saying, that the people are not offended. So Jesus said in his speakings, uh, many times when he finished teaching, some scripture says that, and the people were offended at him. You know, and why were they offended at him? It was because of how they heard him. So for instance, you can pastor a local church and finish teaching a message and someone comes to you uh, after some months and say oh uh, you know they were using me to preach in the pulpit and you would ask yourself how would God call someone uh, and the call on his life is to use you as a subject of preaching <laughs> that's how God wouldn't do that you know but because of how we hear 
when the truth of God's word is confronting us, then we feel, oh, someone is talking about us. The word of God is given to us as a mirror, meaning that when we hear the word of God, it must reflect something to us, who we are in Christ and where we need to make adjustments. You understand what I'm saying? So how you hear is important, the readiness of mind. And because of this, it is also very difficult sometimes in our generation to give very honest feedback to people and say, hey, I think you need to make adjustments in these areas. And why is it that way? Again, because of how people hear. So when you give an honest feedback to someone, then the person is hearing it as condemnation. You understand what I'm saying? So, oh, don't judge me, don't condemn me, and all that. So, so, so Luke says that when, when you're hearing the word, how you hear the word is important. And how do we hear the word? The Bible says in the James that we should receive the word with meekness. We should receive the word with meekness. That means that anytime the word of God is being taught, we should be humble in our hearts to receive adjustments. It says receive the engrafted word of God with meekness. The only combination to receiving the word of God is meekness. You cannot receive God's word if you are proud in your heart. If, if for instance, I come to church now and I say, let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 3 verse 16. I know some people will not even bother to turn their Bible. Why will they not bother to turn their Bible? I know what is there. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That's not receiving the word with meekness. Meekness means you come before the word as if you've never heard it. You come before the word as if you've never learned it. You come before the word ready to make adjustments where the word of God wants you to make adjustments. So, how we hear is critical if the word of God is going to be effective in our lives. Because the most important thing is not that we have our 100 sermons or we hear 1,000 sermons in a year. Without transformation, then there's really no need. If the word of God is not changing us, then there's no need. But the word of God has the capacity to change us. So it's important how we hear. I'm emphasizing the word now, how we hear. Luke 8, 18, right? How we hear. How we hear. We're hearing the word, going before the word and say, Lord, I'm ready to make any adjustments where the word of God says I should make adjustments. If the word of God says I should walk in love, yes, sir. I'm yours to obey. I'm going to walk in love. Oh, but you don't know what they did to me. No. What's the meekness there? Meekness is saying that if this is what God demands of me, it's what I'm going to do. How many of you know that if we keep negotiating, then we're not obedient? Right? If we keep negotiating, if we keep giving reasons. How many of you have kids and you send them, you know, we call my daughter Barista in the house now because she's, she's, she, she just has reasons for everything. She's making her case. Two days after, she's still making her case. So we just call her Barista. Because now she has a reason for everything. But you know, what do you want when you say do this? You want people to obey you promptly. You don't want reasons. You don't want excuses. But you know, when it comes to the word of God and God says do this, how many of you know how we respond? But God, you know. 
but God you know. Oh, you know some of you even go to God and say, God, if you were in my shoes, I'm not sure you'd be able to obey this word. Why? Because of how we hear. So how we hear is as important as what we hear. It's not enough to hear a correct teaching. It's not. Judas sat under Jesus for three and a half years listening to the teachings of Jesus. Right? Seeing Jesus perform miracles. And Judas was not just any other disciple that Jesus had. Right? He, because he was holding the money back. How many of you know anyone holding our money for us in this church is important to us? <laughs> we can't just see anybody in church and say, hey, we feel led today that you should hold the money. I've been in fellowships where people held the money and they took off. And then you're looking for the brother and, and you now say, okay, let's forget about the money. Brother, just come back to the Lord. He left the Lord with the money. You know, so if I say you should hold my money, it means there's, there's a level of trust in you. Am I right? So Judas sat under Jesus for three and a half years. He heard the teachings of Jesus. He, heard the, he saw the miracles of Jesus, went about with Jesus. But the Bible says Satan entered his heart and he sold Jesus. But he listened to Jesus for three and a half years. And that's something we should ponder about. It's something we should think about. That we don't get to the point in our Christian walk where we feel that uh, we are... I'll read something to you. Go to Galatians chapter 1, and I'll read something there. Galatians chapter 1. I... Oh, no, no, no. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, I'm sorry. Verse 1. Look at this. I just want to read something in the light of this. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, any fault... You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, the, the, the Bible says that if we want to bring adjustment, there's a spirit to bring adjustment. is the spirit of gentleness. What I'm just trying to point out this evening is that we must have a gentle heart when we receive the word of God. That are years of Christianity notwithstanding. You know, people even say that. Oh, I've been a Christian for 15 years. There's nothing you can, in the Bible that you can tell me that I don't know. <laughs> if you have been a genuine Christian for 15 years, you wouldn't say that. Because the word of God is ever constant. The word of God is ever fresh. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you following what I'm saying? So we get into the receiving of God's word with meekness in our heart, ready to learn. Ready to learn. As believers, we do not overestimate our capacity in understanding the word of God. We do not come before the word of God with pride in our hearts. If not, we would not learn anything. And that is why the Pharisees never learned from Jesus. The Pharisees never learned from him. In fact, certain times when Jesus was teaching, the Bible would say that in their hearts, they were already questioning the teachings. And Jesus would answer the questions in their heart. And you can imagine that the all-knowing God was walking the shores of Galilee. And there were people who wouldn't listen to his teachings. They wouldn't listen to him. Why? Because they said, hey, our father is Abraham. We're sons of Moses. We understand the law. 
And here was the one. Now they go to the temple to sacrifice the lamb. Okay, they go to the temple to sacrifice the lamb. And expecting the Messiah to come. And here was the Messiah walking with them, talking with them, eating with them. And they would not listen to the Messiah. So here they were sacrificing the lamb. And here was John the Baptist saying, Behold the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And they they didn't understand it. And and let's look at the life of Jesus. Let's look at the life of Jesus. When Jesus was to start his ministry, the Bible says he went to John the Baptist in the river Jordan and says uh, he should be baptized by John the Baptist. I don't know how many people will do that. Knowing that, hey, come on, even the John the Baptist that wants to baptize you, you were the one that created him. But such level of humility, such level of gentleness in the life of Jesus is what God wants us to emulate. So we come before the word of God with absolute humility, absolute meekness, making our hearts ready for that adjustment. So let's, let's, let's continue in that line of thought as I talk about the seed is the word. And I want us to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Just, just a brief exhortation on the word of God today. And continuing from the trends of thoughts of our grace congress and see how the Father leads us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. The Bible says, for, for this reason, am I right? Yeah. We also thank God without season, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us. Now, it's important that sometimes the word of God that you would receive will come from men. God has never orchestrated his plans to take place apart from men. That's very important. Because sometimes we, we disregard the man that God has brought into our lives to bring us the word because of pride or familiarity or whatever. But he says, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men. This, this is how to receive the word now. You welcomed it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God. So when they heard Paul and the team preaching, they didn't say, oh, this is Paul talking. They, they sat there and said, hey, come on, this is God talking to us. This is God talking to us. You know, God will not execute his plan on the earth without a man. He will not. When, when, when the angel came to Cornelius and wanted to preach the message of salvation to him, the angel told Cornelius, go send for Peter and gave Cornelius Peter's address. But why didn't, you just, why didn't the angel just say the message? Because angels were never designed to preach the gospel. Angels were never designed to preach the gospel. Man was designed to preach the gospel. And so God appears to Cornelius as an angel, or angels appear to Cornelius, sent by God, and tells Cornelius, you go send to Peter, and Peter is going to come teach you the message. And goes meet Peter. And Peter says, hey, go meet Cornelius. Peter says he's not going. And all of that dream when he was hungry and uh, was up in the roof. He had a vision. 
you know. And uh, that tells us that sometimes when you are hungry, you have some visions. Some will be from God, some will not be from God. And he went to preach to Cornelius. So, Paul says to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it. You welcomed it. You're only looking at the word with a critical mindset. You're only looking at the word with pride in your heart. You welcome the word not as the word of men, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So, they receive the word of God, first of all. The word of God, first of all, has to be received. When you are being taught, the first thing is to receive it. You're opening your heart to receive the word that is being taught. And one, you receive it. Two, you welcome it not as the word of man. You're not looking at the vessel. And that's why, funny enough, sometimes if the pastor is in church, for some church, I'm not sure it happens here, but if the pastor is in church, then the church is full. And then if someone else has to teach who is not the pastor, then the, 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 the church is empty. That doesn't make sense. Because it's not about who is teaching at that time. It's the word of God that is being taught. The, the whole thing about Christianity is not a personality cult. It's not a celebrity movement. You understand? That these, you know, this, the popular pastors, I don't, you know, some people even say these are the reigning, these men of God are the ones that are reigning. <laughs> see, this one used to reign. This one is not reigning anymore. This is the one that is reigning. You shouldn't say things like that. So you, re you receive the word of God first of all. The word of God has to be received. It has to be taken to yourself. Then you welcome it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God. What's the result of this? The Bible says it now effectively works in you because you believe. So the word of God has to be believed. You have to believe it. If God says it is more blessed to give than to receive, you've got to believe that. Does it make sense? Absolutely not. If God says we should walk in love, you've got to believe that. Does it make sense to walk in love? Sometimes it doesn't make sense to walk in love. You know, we, 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 we should look at the humanity of the disciples. You know, because of the way church is set up, you know, sometimes we look at the disciples and we're almost tempted to worship them, especially when you come from some of the other orthodox background because of the way they are, you know, exonerated and just, you know, put up there exalted. But, you know, Peter went up to Jesus and said, how many times will I forgive my, anybody who offends me? You know, he would, not, he would not ask that question if he did not have people he was not planning to forgive. Do you understand? Come on, do you understand? If they say, hey, come on, ask any question you want. And you come and say, how many times should I forgive somebody who offended me? It means that there's somebody in your heart that you're saying, I just pray this man will say two times. And then you just go say, your own is finished. The master said two times, I forgive you March 1st. And then March 31st, forgiveness for you is finished permanently. You know, so it means Peter was struggling with that. And Jesus gave him all the numbers. 
We talked about Judas. Spent three and a half years with Jesus. Some money. Sold his master. I'm sure in his mind, he was feeling that if I sell this man, when they want to catch him, he will just disappear. And then I'll make more money. You know, he felt they would never crucify him. Because you know why? Well, this is me. This is me. <laughs> you know, I felt that way. Because after he did it, he went back and said, oh, I don't want to sell again. This is your money. Ah, the guy said, guys, no, you, you have to go with the money. And he committed suicide, meaning that he felt bad about what he did. And that tells us that he sat with Jesus for three and a half years, but covetousness was still working in his heart. Okay? He could have so, and yet he was taking money from the money bag. You understand that? But the money was not enough. He wanted to quickly do an MMM with Jesus, 30 pieces of silver, and get Jesus back and get the money back. We look at uh, Thomas. Jesus resurrected. Jesus preached to them for three and a half years about his resurrection. Jesus resurrected, appears to the other disciples, and here comes Thomas. And Thomas said, well, you know, in my village, believing is sin. I will not believe until I see. And Thomas went further to say, I will put my hands in the fingerprint. I will touch them. Ah, you people cannot deceive me with this resurrection matter. I'm not a small child. Before he called me to be his disciple, I know what I was doing. I'm not foolish like the rest of you. And then Jesus appeared to him. And he says, oh, master. Jesus said, blessed are those who do not see, yet they believe. Jesus was talking about us. And so I, I'm just trying to show you the humanity of those who walked with Jesus. And yet, Jesus trusted them enough that he, on the day of Pentecost, he committed the Holy Spirit to them. Let's look at the life of Peter. Peter was everywhere with Jesus, asking questions. Who, who, who do men say I am? That Christ, the son of the living God. Oh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father is heaven. I'm sure Peter would have looked at the other side and said, I'm the man. I'm the one who catches revelation quickly. You guys don't understand what revelation is. It's just between me and Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? And then here was the day Jesus was being crucified. And a small girl. Always. Women and girls have an interesting role they play in scriptures, if you study that. And he went to him and said, you're talking like one of the Galileans. Peter said, no, I never knew him. Went to warm himself in the fire again. And three times he was asked, and three times he denied Jesus. How do I know that Peter felt bad? When Jesus looked at him, he broke down. But you know, Jesus had said to him that Satan desires to sift you, but I've prayed for you. And when you overcome, strengthen the brethren. So Jesus understood that these people were humans. I'm going somewhere. He says that when you receive the word of God that we taught, you did not receive it from us as just human beings. You received this as a word of God. These same people were the people God committed Christianity to. Peter on the day of Pentecost stood up, preached. 3,000 souls received the Lord. What happened? The transforming power of the Holy Spirit. On the human vessel. And that's what God's word does to us. When we receive the word, it effectively works in us and transforms us. That even 
in our mistakes and in our mess, God takes a hold of us, places his anointing upon us, places his grace upon us, and uses us to reach more people than we ever thought in our lives. That's the transforming power of God's word. So when we approach the word, we approach the word with this mindset. That if the word is believed, it will effectively work in us. That God's word will effectively work in us. Luke chapter 8 verse 11. Luke chapter 8 and verse 11. The seed is the word of God. Luke chapter 8 verse 11. Now the parable, if you go to verse 10, it says, And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So the fact that you hear God's word doesn't mean that you have understood it. The fact that you sit here every Sunday doesn't mean that you understand what I'm saying. That's why Paul prayed that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may do what? That you may know. So sometimes when you listen to the word of God and you catch a revelation in your spirit, it just comes in like, wow, now I know this thing. And that's why it's important to pray when we get into God's word, that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. It's important to pray that every day that you get a revelation from the word of God. But look at what it says. It says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. 44 times in the New Testament, the Bible uses the word seed as word from the word sperma. That's the same Greek word. The seed is the word of God. I want us to really emphasize that and camp around that a bit. The seed is the word of God. The first and primary use of the word of God is that it should be used as a seed. And it tells us where to plant it. The next verse, verse 12. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear and the devil comes and takes away the word of their, the word away out of their hearts. Lest they should believe and be saved. So the word of God is the seed. And our heart is the ground. Go to Mark chapter 4, verse 14. I'll show you there. Mark 4, 14. The sower sows the word. In verse 13, it says, And he said to them, Do you not understand the parable? How then will you understand all the other parables? That this parable is the key to other parables. It says, The sower sows the word. The function of a sower is to sow the word. Verse 14 now says, And these are the ones... By the wayside where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So, you know, sometimes um, when, when the, the word of God is taught, you know, people always say this, you know, I'm under attack, I'm under attack, I'm under attack. I'm under... <laughs> Sincerely, what the enemy wants from you is the word of God, nothing else. Because if he gets the seed, then the harvest of that word will not produce results. And that's why sometimes you say that when you teach certain things to a group of people, it's almost like the opposite happens, right? For instance, you teach so much in walking in love, walking in love, walking in love, and you see offenses springing up everywhere. Why do you think that's happening? It's because of the word. So I wanted to get two things here. Number one, the seed is the word. God's word is seed. You must begin to see the word of God as seed. Begin to see that. Have that image in your heart. 
that this word is seed and what is your heart your heart is the ground where it needs to be planted your, so you must put your heart in the right condition that's why i started with receiving the word with meekness you must prepare your heart to receive the word of god you must come into meetings with your heart ready to receive god's word you mustn't allow doubts offense uh worries anxiety thoughts uh whatever to shield your heart from the seed of god's word as i'm teaching you right now i'm casting seeds into your heart you must make sure that your heart is producing to the maximum what the word of god can produce so it says the seed is the word of God. And now the beautiful thing about this in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23, the Bible calls it the incorruptible seed. Which means that this is the seed that cannot be destroyed. The word incorruptible means uh, something that cannot be destroyed. And this is very interesting because when you plant the seed of God's word concerning a situation, it will always outlive that situation. You know, but the problem with us is we plant and uproot, right? Remember, have you ever done beans experiment with your child right how many of you have ever done beans experiment with your child you know you plant the the, the beans bean seed you know they never sleep that night the first thing tomorrow morning they want to check it is it growing <laughs> you're like no it has not started growing then they want to dig it up again and plant they want to dig it up again and plant the more they dig it and plant the more it will never grow but because you are matured you know that no matter how long it takes if you just put water in it it's going to grow anxiety is a sign of immaturity you're in faith you're in doubt you're in faith you're in doubt you're in faith you're in doubt one prayer point you pray it 700 times sometimes it's just a sign of immaturity when you plant the word of god it will grow it will grow it is incorruptible you have to learn to maintain the consistency of your confession Opening your heart to plant the word of God. When the word of God is planted, it is incorruptible. Listen, God's word will outlive your generation. God's word will outlive you and affect your children. When God spoke to Abraham about his children in captivity, he was telling Abraham and he spoke to Abraham about what will happen to his children 430 years. and said, I'm going to deliver them from Egypt. That word God spoke to Abraham was the same word Moses took a hold of 430 years later and brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. When God spoke to the enemy in the garden and says the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent, he was talking about Jesus Christ. That word lived for over, over thousands of years. And Isaiah picked up that word and says that uh, a virgin shall conceive and give birth to a child and this is going to happen and that is going to happen. And that word lived thousands of years and came upon the life of Mary and says, let it be unto me according to your word. Bam, that word came into manifestation thousands of years later. That is the incorruptibility of God's word. When the word of God is planted in any direction in your life, I bet you it will outlive you. That's why we're never scared of our future. Why? Because we've planted God's word in those directions. Are you following what I'm saying? God's word is seed. You must learn to think of it that way. This is not just, you know, 
That's why sometimes if you don't have this revelation, you would struggle to read the word of God. You will not see the need. You will not know that as I'm reading God's word, I'm planting seeds in my heart that is going to um, produce. How can a young man cleanse his way? Paying attention to God's word. That as a young man, if I spend my time on the word of God, it's going, to be, it's going to be light and lamp onto my path. Meaning that if a young man would take a hold of God's word and pour the seed of God's word into his heart, he will never lack for direction. He would always know what to do. All this, I'm confused. Oh, I'm confused. Hey, I'm confused. I don't know. I'm confused. It's, you lack the seed, the light of the word. You would always know what to do. I mean, when I say you always know what to do, it's not as if you just know this is what I need to do, this is what I need. Even your unconscious decisions will be aligned rightly because you have done words. You've put the word of God in your heart. So the word is the seed. In John chapter 6, verse 63, three few things. The seed, number one, key factors about the seed. The seed is a living thing. John 63, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word contains a spirit. It contains life. I really want you to get this tonight. Whatever word of God you are able to successfully plant in your heart, you have planted the spirit and the life of that thing in your heart. See, see, let me explain this to you. I really hope you can get this tonight. If you plant the word of prosperity into your heart, what you have planted is not just a word of prosperity. You have planted what? The spirit and the life of prosperity into your own life and destiny. And unconsciously, God will begin to direct your path. You begin to make progress. You begin to experience increase. And you will not know what the source is, but it's the word. If you plant the word of love, the word of wholeness, the word of healing into your heart, God's word will work in your life. Are you following this? It will work in your life. It, there's a spirit behind it. It's, it's unfortunate that sometimes as believers, we believe the other spirits more than the spirit of God's word. You, I, I, I'm amazed. You know, I heard someone say to me, I, I want you to pray for me. I said, what's the problem? He said, I have a, I don't know, what's the name of that spirit now? I have a near success syndrome spirit. I said, what's that? That name is long. How can you? That is, he says, anytime I want to, I'm close to success, something just happens. And you, I said, okay. I said, well, there's a success spirit syndrome in John, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It says, you shall make your way prosperous. You know, somehow in our mind, we believe these other spirits are stronger. But God says, my word is spirit and life. If you get the word of favor into your heart, the seed is planted deeply into your heart and is producing fruits, you know what's going to happen? The spirit of favor is going to follow you. The life of favor is going to follow you. Even in, in unexpected moments, you see the favor of God show up in your heart. The sower must sow the word. You must be diligent about sowing the word. You must see the word as seed that needs to be sown. A bag of seeds that's just sitting somewhere will do you no good. Having the Bible in your phone, on your iPad, on your laptop, having the Bible verses in your house will do you no good if it's not sown in your heart. Are you following this? I said, are you following this? The seed of God's word must be sown in your heart. 
The word of Christ were the concentration and embodiment of his own life. So when God spoke, he was speaking himself. John chapter 1 verse 1. It was the word and the word was God. A seed begins its growth in secrets. So when the seed is planted, it starts growing in secret. The seed might look small, but it grows into a mighty tree. The inherent potential of the seed. Small trees will produce big plants. If you take a little of God's word in your heart and it's firmly rooted there, it will produce massive results. Are you following what I'm saying? It will produce massive results. A little of God's word and planting in your heart, it will produce massive results. Don't be too lazy to plant God's word in your heart. Don't be too lazy to plant God's word in your heart. The ability of the seed and the effects it produces. If you plant a seed in a barren land, give it a matter of time, that place will become a, a, a green field. Trees growing in it. Just one seed. One seed. A seed does nothing until it is planted. A seed does nothing until it is planted. And it was Dr. Miles Moreau that said, you cannot count the number of plants that are in a seed. That actually when you hold a seed, the potential of what you're holding is a forest. Listen to me, I'll challenge you. If you take one verse of God's word and successfully plant it in your heart, you'll be amazed at the transforming power it will yield to you. God will do nothing apart from his word. God will do nothing apart from his word. I commend you to God. That's what we dealt with in the Great Grace Congress. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. God's word builds you up and gives you an inheritance. You don't pray for inheritance. You don't cry for inheritance. You don't fast for inheritance. You plant the seed of God's word in your heart. And as it is building you up, it's giving you your inheritance. Just put the word of God there. Put the word of God there. You will be amazed at the transforming power of God's word. See, God's word will always change your life. If I see someone year in, year out, they aren't changing, they aren't putting the word of God in their hearts. There's no how. You plant God's word and it will not change you. There's no way. But if you're too busy for the word, that's your problem. That's your problem. A seed that is not planted is of no good. A seed that, you know, it's like you go by, I know women do it right now, they do garden, or this garden seed and then they go to shopping malls, buy this seed, buy that seed, buy this seed. You know, oh, you know, I know there was sometime everybody wanted to plant aloe vera. They said he could do this, he could do that, he did, he could cure this, he would do it. Almost like aloe vera was the new Jesus Christ, could do all things. So everybody wanted aloe vera. I wanted, we, we also planted, I had one in my backyard. You know, when those, so we got one aloe vera and put it in our back. After a while, you know, aloe vera started growing and all that. But imagine that they gave us that aloe vera and we say, oh, wonderful aloe vera, how great thou art. We will not plant you. We respect you so much. And we bought a glass case for it. All right? Light candles. Treat it very well because you honor the aloe vera because of its tremendous power. And then what's going to happen? It's not going to do anything. If you want that aloe vera to produce, what will also happen? You have to plant it. So, you know, having a Bible, buying a, uh, I like very good Bibles. I take time to select my Bibles, you know. So, I like this, my Bible, very well. Nice leather back, nice ribbon, put the cross in front, 
zip it properly, put it inside a bag, download all the versions, have an iPad, have a place where you keep your Bible that nobody can touch, put it under your pillow. You're wasting your time. Until it leaves these printed pages and gets into your heart, it has not been planted. The word of God on your phone is not been planted. Do you understand what I'm saying? The word of God on your iPad has not been planted. The word of God on radio has not been planted. How do you plant it? You take it, you meditate on it, you speak it, you plant it in your heart. The only environment for the word of God to grow is in your heart. If it doesn't make that transfer into your heart, you can have the biggest Bible in the world, your life is going to be the same. So the word of God must be planted. Proverbs chapter 4, let's do three more verses quickly. Proverbs chapter 4, Mark 4, let's just, we're in Mark, so let's stay in Mark 4, 26 to 29. I'll show you something here. Mark 4, 26 to 29. And it says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. Mark 4, 27 now. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. This is what I like about the word of God. You don't know how the word of God is going to work. You don't know how the word of God is going to produce. You only have one responsibility to plant it. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So it tells us about the process of the word. That when the word is planted, sometimes if you look as if the word is not growing, then you begin to see little signs. You begin to see little signs. Praise God. You begin to see little signs. And before you know, the word of God will grow. It will be full blown. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 22. I want us to do four scriptures quickly and then we'll close. A seed does nothing until it is planted. Don't forget that word. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 22. Have times where you are planting the word of God. Have days where you tell yourself, today I'm going to plant these verses into my scripture, into my heart. That's why we should restore memory verses back into churches. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 22. Let's look at verse 20 quickly. My son, give attention to my words. Pay attention to them. Pay attention to them. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not let them. I don't know if your mother used to do that to you when you were growing up. And say, hold your ear, listen to what I'm saying. What he's trying to say is, don't forget this instruction. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Don't forget. So incline your ear. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your, you see that again? Your heart. Your heart. For they are life to which people? That's very important. They are life to which people? Are they life to everybody? No, they're not life to everybody. They are life to those who find them. In the context of our discussion, who are those who find them? Those who plant them in their hearts. Who keep them in the midst of their hearts. So you say, oh, life is not working in me. Have you found the word of God yet? Okay, let's read on. And what? And held to all their flesh. That's the capacity of God's word. That's the capacity of God's word. They are life to those who find them. The problem is they have to be a finding. What's the finding? The process of searching the scriptures. Am I right? Uh, the Berean Christians, Paul talked about them. They would study diligently. Find the verses. Find what you need. Find scriptures that, uh, that you need in the situation that you trust in God for. Get healing scriptures. Get script Just get scriptures. Just get scriptures. Find them. Be diligent about it. And plant it in your heart. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent forth his word. 
and his word deliver them from all their destruction. God's method of deliverance is his word. So if you plant God's word in your heart, I'll tell you saints, you'll be delivered all the time. God's method. Don't be too lazy for God's word. Don't be too lazy to study God's word. Don't be too lazy to read God's word. Don't let anything keep you from the word of God. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. It says, if we sow to the spirit. Let's just read that and we'll read 2 Corinthians then we can close. Galatians 6 verse 7. You know, every time we talk about the law of seed time and harvest, we always talk about it when it comes to money. But the law of seed time and harvest can also work when it comes to the word of God. Amen. That if I plant God's word in my heart right now, in the days to come, I'm going to have a harvest of this word. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Look at what it says. Do not be mocked. God is not, do not be deceived, sorry. God is not marked for whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. How do we sow to the spirit? We sow the word. We can sow the word. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. We also use this for money, which is correct. But I just want to see it from another perspective. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. But these I say it's he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So let's take it in context with God's word. If you sow God's word sparingly into your life, how much harvest are you going to get? Sparing harvest. Is there something like sparing harvest? Sparingly harvest. Whatever that is. But if you sow bountifully, what's going to happen? You're going to have a bountiful harvest. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I like the, 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 the next verse 7. This is talking about money actually, but I'm just using it out of context. So let each one give as he has proposed in his heart. What does this mean? Let each one decide how much of God's word is going to sow in his life. Decide, I'm going to give myself to the word. I'm going to give myself to prayers. I'm going to plant the seeds of God's word in my heart and I'm going to reap a hundred years to come. Right now, you can start planting seeds of health over your old age. You don't need to wait till you get to 70 before you start saying, I would live and not die. No, you can start saying it right now. And by the time you're 50, there's so much of eternal life at work in your heart. You can start planting God's seeds, the seed of God's word over your children right now. Great is the peace of my children because they are thought of the Lord. You can start. Give, plant God's word bountifully into your life. Get up at night. Speak the word. Get up in the morning. Declare the word. Speak the word all over you. Have a world culture. Praise the name of the Lord. Sow it bountifully. And I tell you this, you don't need to know how the word of God is going to work. It's going to work. One thing I realized, I, I might be wrong in this, but one thing I realize is, I might be wrong, but one thing I realize is this, you know, sometimes when people want to travel, I think Pastor Banky said it, you know, when people want to travel unconsciously, they just say, oh, you know, let us pray. Actually, most of the prayer is out of here, you know, they don't want anything to happen. But I realize that, you know, I pray when I want to travel, but I realize that most times when I get into a vehicle, my first thought is not to pray. That's really not my first thought. Sometimes it's when people say, ah, let somebody pray for us, that I now remember, oh, we're traveling. Because I don't sow the seeds of God protection over my life the, a night before I want to travel. Every time when I get up, 
<laughs> my safety is important to me. I speak God's word about my safety. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. It, it, it's not when I want to travel and I, ah, where are those scriptures? Ah, a thousand shall fall by my death. No, no, no. There's nothing wrong, but hey, come on. It's like you're planting a seed today that you require today. What happens? Why don't you just take out time to pray about your preservation? It's very simple. Just list out. That's the way I, I work, actually. List out on Monday, I'm going to pray on this area of my life. On Tuesday, I'm going to pray on this area. On Wednesday, be systematic in planting seeds. These are the scriptures I want to plant in my life this year. And plant them, meditate on them, think on them, pray over them. Next month, I want to plant this scripture into be Be deliberate about your life, your spiritual life. It's, don't be like all those people that will just open the Bible in the morning. Leviticus, uh, look at, no, no, no. They close it again. They now open. Psalm, uh -huh, they like Psalm. Unless the Lord build the house. Which house is the Lord building? Don't, don't live a confused spiritual life. Don't live as if you don't know what you're doing. This thing I'm teaching you tonight is the difference between life and death. The difference between healing and sickness. The difference between prosperity and poverty. Your whole life as a true believer in Christ will hinge on the effort you put in planting God's word into your heart. And if you put God's word into your heart, you will surely, surely reap a harvest. Praise the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you tonight. We make adjustments in the areas where we need to make adjustments. Father God, we commit ourselves in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to sow God's word into our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.